I love this Old Testament reading from today. It is short, it is somewhat out of context, but this idea of Jacob wrestling with this man, it resonates for me. The story of Jacob is a great story. There aren't a ton of stories in the Bible that have a full kind of beginning, middle, and end. And so I really enjoy this one and I commend it to you. But Jacob is the second son of Isaac. And Isaac is reaching the end of his life. He's gone blind and he knows that the days are short. And so he calls in his eldest son Esau and he tells him, Esau, go and kill an animal and bring, make a savory stew and bring it in and I will bless you. And so Esau goes to hunt. But Rebekah hears what Isaac has asked and she sends Jacob to kill a couple of goats. And she says, go kill some goats, bring them in. I will make a savory stew so that you may have your dad's blessing. And Jacob says, we'll never trick dad. This is funny. Esau is hairy and I am not. <laughs> Rebecca says, it's okay, I got this. So she makes the stew, she puts fur on his hands and on his neck and drapes him in Esau's coat and he goes in and his dad says, who, which of my sons are you? And Jacob says, I'm Esau. And, or Isaac, sorry, thank you. Um, Jacob says to Isaac, I am, now I'm confused. Okay, I got this. Um, so <laughs> Jacob says to Isaac, I am Esau. And Isaac says, you don't sound like Esau. And he says, here, feel my hands. And he puts his hand out and he's hairy, hairy enough to be furry. Um, and Isaac says, you smell like him. You don't really sound like him. And so they eat the stew together. Isaac gives him the blessing. And it is about that time that Esau returns with his stew. And Isaac says, we've already eaten together and I have already given you my blessing. And Esau realizes in that moment that Isaac has given away his birthright and he is mad. And he begins to plan his brother's death. And Rebecca gets wind of this and Rebecca sends Jacob away because she wants him to not die. So she sends him away and for 20 years, he is somewhere else building a life in a foreign land, building a life. He marries and marries again and again and again. Anyway, <laughs> look at it, he's got a bunch of wives. Anyway, so Jacob goes and he marries and I wonder in those 20 years while he is away, what story he creates between he and his brother. When he leaves, he has left a very angry brother and he has left a man who is going to kill him. And so for 20 years, he's had time to think about this. It's not as if they were writing letters or emails or checking each other's Facebooks, right? So they don't know what's going on with each other. But Jacob has created a story that he keeps building on in this time of estrangement. And I'm a little bit familiar with estrangement, not fully, but a little bit. When I was 15, 
my mom and I got in a fight. I don't know, I can't remember any of the details. I, I mean, I remember details, but not the, the good ones. So what I remember is that we started fighting while I was eating. I remember what I was eating. I remember who was in the room when we started fighting. I remember that it began to escalate very quickly because um, when I was 15, I was really spicy for my mom. Um, maybe some of you know that about your relationship with your same gender parent. Um, but this fight began and it gained speed. And it was probably of a time when things were things, lots of things going on. And finally, I called my dad and I said, you need to come pick me up. And so my dad, who was across town, came to pick me up. But on the way, on his way, I yelled swear words at my mom and I left. Um, and I started walking and my dad picked me up. And for eight months, my mom and I didn't talk. And I built a story for myself. And the story I built was that my mom was so mad at me that I had done such an awful thing that this was the end of our relationship, that we would never talk again. And, um, and I also built that story for myself, that I was so mad at her that I never wanted to talk to her either. And so I wrestled with the story as Jacob is wrestling. So Jacob gets to this place at the end of 20 years, and he is now fighting with his father-in-law, and so the spirit sends him home. And he's headed home, but he's scared. And on the way, he separates his family and his flocks so that if Esau manages to kill some of them, the rest of them will get away. And he delivers them um, onto the other side of the river, and he comes back, and he begins to wrestle, and he spends the night wrestling with a man. And this story doesn't start the way you would think this story would start. You would think, and then he got back to the other side, and he was attacked, and they began to wrestle. But this story actually begins with a semicolon. He goes back to the other side of the river, and he spends the night wrestling with this man. And they wrestle all the way through the night. And as day begins to break, and nobody has won, one of them says, it's the, the guy, he says, what's your name? And Jacob asks for a blessing. And I, I mean, I don't know fully what that's about, but I know when I'm wrestling with things like that, the blessing I'm looking for is to be right. <laughs> None of you, I can tell. <laughs> so when I am in the midst of that story, when I am telling myself what might actually be happening, I am building the story about how I am right. And I wonder if for 20 years, as Jacob built on the story of what happened between he and his brother, what things he put in his story. Was he sad? Was he mad? He was obviously scared. Who did he bring into that story? Have you had those times when you are separated from someone or something? If you, when you are in a situation where you, in the dark hours, begin to build a story for yourself? I think it's not uncommon. And so I wrestled with my story, and I looked for the blessing, which was to be right. And Jacob looked for the blessing in his story, 
And in the midst of it all, in the midst of it all, the man who is not winning punches him in the hip and leaves him limping. And that makes sense to me too. These nights, these days, these weeks, these months, these years can leave you limping as well. And there came this day, my mom and I are stubborn women. Um, I, I think that's probably hard to tell. Um, <laughs> but I thought for sure that she would never call. And I certainly wasn't going to because I was right. But one day, after eight months, she called. It wasn't magic. We didn't, it wasn't, um, it wasn't the dear and amazing Hollywood version of what would happen. I remember it being a quiet conversation. And I remember that slowly we began to limp to each other. And as Jacob limps towards Esau, he has continued to build the story. And so he sends ahead gifts, gifts to Esau. Please don't kill me. Gifts to Esau, right? And as soon as he sees Esau, he falls onto the ground. Seven times he falls onto the ground in sorrow, in apology. And when Esau is close enough, they fall together weeping because Esau is so glad to see his brother. And they limp together into their next story. It's not magic, but they walk together for a while. And it's clear from the little snippets that we have for the rest of Jacob's story that they have made a life together as brothers once more. It turns out that sometimes being right isn't the blessing that we hope it is. One of my seminary classmates said the best advice that he received in his premarital counseling was that it's better to be right. <laughs> you see where my head is on this one. It's better to be loving than to be right. It's better to be loving than to be right. Oh man, I'm telling a lot about myself here. I'm feeling a little vulnerable. <laughs> it is the blessing that Jacob is hoping for and, and so much more than he imagined. It's so much more than he imagined. And so this day he makes it up the hill and Esau loves him and hugs him and they weep together. And you know, human relationships are complicated. It's true. Situations are complicated, and they don't always end with weeping and joy and connection and perfect resolution. But the good news for us as followers of the way, the good news for us all, is that God is always, always on that hill waiting for us to return with love, with tears, with God's perfection. That there is literally nothing that we can ever do that would change the heart of God, that would change the fact that God is there waiting on that hill for us. May we always, always remember the blessing of love when we seek the blessing of right. <laughs>